and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 104, which uh, begins with the continuation of Mother's Countdown, as she says, eight, and ends with Ripley saying, I got you. And once again, we welcome back Aaron Hamer Beck, who is an instructor at the Kansas City Art Institute and the curator of their film sofa series. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's get on with this, um, the physics of space. But we'll, we'll, just, we'll just restate the, the sort of question that was raised yesterday about Ripley's orientation, the direction in which the narcissist is going, and so on. So we, as we said yesterday, we know from the shot, exterior shot of Ripley through the window that that's where she is. So we got the window, obviously the viewport, the bridge of the narcissist. From wider shots, we see the umbilicus, if you will, of the of the narcissist is on the back of the ship. That's where it's attached. So when she takes off, by all logic, she should be looking away from the narcissist. Right. And so, it's, and it's res- how does that work? Is she backing up? Did it drop, you know, drop ship, psh, drops off the bottom of the okay. Nostromo, mm. and then goes into reverse? I think I need to be shown that, don't you? I mean, if I'm questioning now, I mean, maybe I never did before, so maybe it's fine. But right now, I'm questioning the orientation of this whole thing, the, the logistics of it. It doesn't... Well, the other thing that's really shy. goofy is the ship is shaking like crazy until it gets away from the mm-hmm. Nostromo. And suddenly, when the Nostromo gets away, the ship stops shaking. Well... It makes no sense at all. Well, the, yeah, <laughs> it, it's implying turbulence... Right, in uh, space. Due to, yeah, turbulence in space due to the proximity to the ship. I assume it's like air pockets that are built up being that close to a large object, I assume, is what the turbulence should be coming from. But that doesn't make sense in space. It makes no sense. It does make sense in that once she is, we see it in her performance as well, once she is clear of the Nostromo, it's a relieving moment. Like, it's the tension sort of evaporates. You can see it in her face. She Once she gets clear enough, it becomes like, oh, shit, am I going to get out of here? It, it turns into... All right, let's watch this thing burn. And that's kind of her expression on her face. So I think that it fits. Like the the, the two, the, the visceral experience we're getting with the shakiness moving into the smoothness works. But uh, you're right, it doesn't make... There's a lot of logistical issues. This whole minute actually might end up being a lot about that. I don't mean this things makes sense I know, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to pull a dick move on the movie or anything. No. Um, because this is truly one of the most exciting parts of the film it's so exciting mm-hmm. and it's so emotional that we're not thinking intellectually about what's going on nope. we kind of know where she is we kind of know where the ship is we want her to be away from the ship the ship is going away from us so that's all good mm-hmm. but it doesn't make any sense <laughs> i mean and i think that you know it kind of ties into the you know in the last uh in the last minute we, the many different uh shots that we have you know 25 different shots for her basically just sitting there um you know the the shaking and whatnot is you know meant to be a complete contrast to being away from the Nostromo because you know she she thinks she's safe she thinks that everything's fine you know and she's she's finally rid of danger um and yeah I mean it's it and you know the 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 beauty shot of the Nostromo going over her, it all feels like it was, you know, meant for the audience and maybe not uh, as cleverly thought out as the as the rest of the film. I don't know. I don't know. We are in this nightmare, mm-hmm. and and this last section of the movie is the most nightmarish, in some ways, most nightmarish quality because it is the 
it's the old horror film thing of the horror movie that won't end. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. Carrie's hand coming out of the at the end of that or Dressed to Kill or this thing that would happen again and again after Alien where horror movies would have sort of these multiple endings where it yeah. would always be given a false ending, which is what we're moving into right now. Well, right. And you use the word nightmare in when De Palma used these endings like in Carrie and in Dressed to Kill, they are literally nightmares. They are literally nightmares. And yeah. I, you could say that, you know, in in a representational way, perhaps this nar- the flight of the narcissist that we're about to embark upon is Ripley's nightmare, right? I mean, this is, she's at rest. I mean, we'll get that more in the next minute too. She, we just said, we've moved into this kind of smoothed out relief. Of, she beat the clock. Now she can just watch that's so interesting because in in the in uh, I I don't think it was the last minute it was the minute before we were talking about the sequence where the camera was moving faster than she was down the down the corridor and I thought like that is kind of a nightmarish gesture of you know when you're in a nightmare and you're running from the zombie you're not able to move that fast you're kind of stuck in quicksand and there is that countdown. Um, and and now we truly are in her nightmare. We thought that we had awakened from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I could see that when you think about horror movie tropes and some of the things. And again, I guess De Palma might be a really good example of this and his use of slow motion. How many times do you have a moment where this terrifying moment is occurring, and the and the director goes, "Ha ha! I'm going to slow this person down. That everything's going to happen in 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 slow motion, and you as the audience are going to go." Oh, come on, let's go. And maybe there was a little bit of that with that camera move. And now now we're entering more into a, a lulled to sleep kind of version of it where they were saying, I'm going to I'm gonna make you feel like we're uh, finally at the end of this day. But, this but, horrible, but, horrible day. But before I do that, we're going to give you a little light show. We're going to have some explosions, sure. right? We've got well, to really finish this off before we get to the, the real nightmare of this. Then I think if that was the, if the intention of it was to um, make us feel like we've come to the end of the day, so to speak. She's victorious. We get this moment where she gets to re- re- relax for a second, sit back and watch the show, watch her accomplishment. She's yeah. blown up the show. It, blows up, it, accomplishment? it blows up three times. Three times, um, which is also kind of dreamy. We get to see it blow up once through the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get to see the same explosion again without the window in between us and the explosion. And then we get even a third explosion that leads into a little 2001 slit scan technique. Right. Another homage to, to 2001, I think. And here's, here we're, we're back to, you know, it makes no goddamn sense. Do we even really need to talk about it in this case? I mean, we, it just doesn't no, make sense. No sense. Because there's no way something explodes. If something explodes that thoroughly once, that's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> so, but, you know... A, Again, though, it's it's an enjoyable moment. Like, you do want to get... You don't want just that one Star Wars Death Star explosion that you hold on for, you know. You want... I, I you like want, the three punches. You want John Cassavetes blowing up at the end of the Fury, and you want to see it from <laughs> as many camera angles as you can possibly set up in that room <laughs> and just do it over and over and over again. <laughs> and that will conclude uh, late 70s De Palma minute. Yes, so far, we've exactly. mentioned almost every film he made in the late 70s. That's interesting. Um, yeah, exactly. You're, you're right. In that, in that case, you know, it's a stylistic choice. In this case, yeah, I mean, why not? It, it's kind of presented to us here, though, that it is literally blowing up three times, especially since the third time has a different result than the first two times. 
so we really are kind of literally saying it blew up three times. Yeah. But you're right. It's getting the effect of the... I always think about a, a, a strange little moment in Boogie Nights when Philip Baker Hall's character is introduced. And for no apparent reason, he walks into the room, opens the door, and then he does it again, and then he does it again. They cut these three moments in, and it's the same philosophy. And I think in the, in the commentary for Boogie Nights, Philip, uh, Paul Tom Sanderson said, look, I, I'm in the midst of this crazy party. I needed this guy who were just meeting for the first time at this point in the movie to have some gravitas. So I just had him come in three times and it's the one, two, three, you know, this guy's a big deal. Yeah. And you didn't need to set up the character any more than that. You know, ensemble piece like Boogie Nights. Sometimes you're going to have to use some tricks like that to give a new character some gravitas. So again, it's, it's a rule of threes thing. Yeah. And, and Mitch, I think you said that uh, we were talking about it earlier that Ridley Scott literally said, that's it. That was the reason for the three explosions, right? What was three is better than two. Three is yeah. better than two or, or definitely better than one. So I like it. I, I like the things that are going on here. They don't make physical sense, but it, it comes together to have this big, enjoyable, like satisfactory it's moment. It's totally satisfying because I mean, if you think about how like we were, we were geared up for this whole, you know, sort of shooter style showdown with the incinerator and Ripley, you know, sh- and and facing the alien, and we didn't get that. Like, You're right. If, if we don't know that we're going to get another showdown differently, it's kind of a letdown to not have something. Right. When you bring a flamethrower onto the stage, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. burn something up with it, it right? We yeah. did get to see Ash burned up with it. Yeah. But um, but you're right. You're right. So this is a substitution in a way. It's sort of trying to sate the audience, satisfy them with this so that they won't see what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we're, you know, this minute ends with her, like, punctuating the satisfaction we feel by getting to say, I got you. Yeah. It's a, it's and a nice moment for her. We've got a slow zoom going in on her as she says, I got you. It'll be the next minute when we get the rest of that line. Mm -hmm. But we are concluding with a locked down slow zoom that we've seen multiple times in the movie. Is this the moment with the lights as well, or is in that is that in the next? That's minute? that's in the next minute. Okay. Wait, no. Oh, oh, those lights. The, yeah. Sorry, like I thought you were talking about the lights. lights. Like, so we're no, no. So we're just teasing that? everybody now. You, you'll yeah. hear about that in the sorry, next minute. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> so, so I guess you know, we've had these zooms throughout the movie. Some resolved, some not. I guess we got a little cliffhanger for tomorrow. Got to wait till well, the next one minute to see if this is a resolved or an unresolved zoom. Yeah, the things that we end on. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't have anything else for this minute, do you? Nope, I'm good. I'm good, too. All right, well. Well, before you sign us out, I just want to say, once again, big thanks to Christoph Nemeth, who has created the incredible tonalities that begin every episode. Uh, thanks again, Christoph, for creating that for us. And you can find us over at AlienMinute.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. Uh, if you like the show, make sure and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. On iTunes, leaving us a, a five-star review is really helpful if you feel so inclined. Um, you can also come over to our tea public store, grab a t-shirt, mug, uh, notebook, anything like that you'd like. And I want to give a shout out to the rest of our, uh, our fellow minute podcast people. You can find all of them in one place at moviesbyminutes.com. Go check them out. And, uh, there's some fun shows to listen to over there. If you uh, ever, ever thought about airport minute by minute, well, you should have, because it's pretty damned interesting. So I can... <laughs> Throw a little bone to those guys. It's pretty amazing. Listen to Airport Minute.
All right. Well, that's going to do it for 104. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute 105.